Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series Bojack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflit. And I am a socially distanced Adam Nicholas, and you can call us Snoop Dogg, Michael, because we're going to drop it like it's... (laughs) (laughs) Which will feel like it makes more sense in a moment. But you can also call us the front of the plane because we are all business to begin with. You can follow us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast Horseman. Please do give us a follow. It all helps. And we love to communicate with you all through the community of Podcast Horseman and Bojack Horseman. You can also find your hosts on Twitter. You can find myself, Adam Nicholas, at It's Adam Nicholas, or you can find Michael Hamflit. At Michael Hamflit. You can also follow along and listen to the podcast on Spotify. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And we would love you to do that if you subscribe, if you want to leave us a review, a five star review, anything like that, that'd be brilliant. You can listen along on Acast, on Stitcher. You can even find the podcast uploaded every Friday on the at Podcast Horseman feed on Twitter. And for anyone that is leaving us one of those lovely five star reviews later on in this episode, we will be inducting the latest member of the Hollywood Talk of Fame. So just to reiterate, if you want to leave us a five star review with a few words, either nice or nasty about this podcast we're vain egotists that want to move up some charts so we will read them out and we will be doing that later on after the review well that sounds nice i mean you painted us in a terrible light there but you know what it is <laughs> you're not wrong it's all factually <laughs> correct speaking of things that are factually correct let us go and do the netflix synopsis for this week's episode of podcast horseman so season two episode two we are called yesterday land michael bojack mm. is drawn to the one female in town who has no idea who he is because she was in a coma todd opens a theme park what a very intriguing <laughs> synopsis this is it was just as intriguing last week but now we've watched it yeah, rare this because classic Bojack with the, the typical cold open actually starts with something directly related to that synopsis. We see Bojack on a series of dates, date after date after date in Elefante um, with very quick cuts of people that are going out for drinks with him, going out for meals with him, who have all found a new interest in him because of the book. They're not dating him because they've met him somewhere or because they've hooked up in a bar. They're dating Bojack Horseman because they want to date Bojack Horseman. They're directly re- like relating things to references in his books. They want him to relive rows that he's had previously in Elefante. So he takes those dates elsewhere and then they want him to act as obnoxious as he once sounded in the book. It's all things like that. He's just found himself going out with fangirls after fangirls, um, which Bojack clearly resents because all the nomads is this person from this book. 
but he abuses the privilege anyway. Um, we see a girl leaving his place um, and then saying, shut up, Todd, as she walks past Todd, as if it was a catchphrase in a sitcom, which, of course, he was once in, or, which I thought was the case here, his house has actually become David Boreanaz's house, but for Bojack Horseman. Everything now is a monument to the things that are mentioned in the book, and that's what people have come to look at. Absolutely. This is so such a weird dynamic because he's, he's, as you say, dining out on this a little bit. He's using it to his advantage. People are interested. Bojack Horseman, the brand, is hot again, which he's probably mm. enjoying. But it also has completely disrupted everything he normally does, as we're seeing already here. He can't just go to restaurants. He can't go on dates because these are all people who have expectations of him now rather than people thinking, oh, look, it's that washed-up horse but they all still want to be part of it. Yeah, I suppose it's something for him that's new over the last 30 years because the last fame he had was from horsing around. So having this all over again is something he can no longer cope with because he's much older and far too wise of his own foibles and problems. Um, that is all the cold open, basically. It's a rather quick one for this week's episode. We go into the main body of the episode and uh, Bojack is asking Todd to take him back to Elefante. He tells us that it's because he was responsible, so he left it in the fountain. Uh, <laughs> but, but Todd says he can't because he tells him that Disneyland is ready, to which Bojack has absolutely no idea what he's talking about. Uh, Bojack told Todd Disneyland wasn't real in order to avoid taking him when Todd first pestered him when he first moved in with him. Uh, so Todd thought, there should be a Disneyland and built one himself. He couldn't work out why this incredibly successful franchise wasn't an incredibly successful franchise. We learned through a series of fantastic cutaways that Todd's been working on this five years and has repeatedly tried to get Bojack invested in it, but he's just shown little to no interest. As usual, we get some wonderful on-the-nose date gags, such as Bojack reading a Time magazine with a date written on it, all these sorts of things. We see one where Todd interrupts a notes-taking session between Diane and Bojack that we assume happened at some point in the canon of season one. Um, but he just continues to ignore him cuts back to Bojack saying this is the first he's ever heard of it but indeed Todd has finished um, he continues to note there already is one which is in keeping with Bojack's usual lack of support for all of Todd's project but Todd just continues to assume that he means his version he is oblivious to the fact that Disneyland is already real this is the sort of stupidity that could only be pulled off properly by oh wait every male character in this show <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Well, it's funny because I think like the the setup for this gag is so, and there's a few in this episode. It's so ridiculously sitcom in nature. Yeah. Like a character has been building a theme park that is a ripoff of another theme park in the background. It's totally unrealistic. It's totally absurd. But the way it sets it up, because we know these characters, you actually believe it. We know Todd at this point, and we know Bojack's ignorance towards Todd at this point that he's actually pulled this off, and it sets you up to see an actual theme park, as ridiculous as that is. Exactly, and we know, as we've been shown so many times before, is that any man with a stupid idea is a dangerous man indeed, <laughs> because at least 90% of the time, it's probably going to be allowed to at least be given a shot. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know it's got a chance, isn't it? Um, we go then back to Bojack, who's just trying to go out for a beer. He goes to Bellicans, but he gets chased out by countless people taking pictures. It's like everyone's paparazzi all of a sudden, even though they're just people with their phones and their cameras. But that's because Bellicans, the bar themselves, has sold it as the place where Bojack Horseman drinks. They're now monetizing his alcoholism for their own gains. The place is absolutely full, so he just bails. Uh, he finds finds an empty bar stool at a roller rink, um, a skating rink in uh, LA, and he's just sat there uh, enjoying his own company when he bumps into Pinky Penguin, who thankfully has finally got out of publishing. He's moved into the completely infallible world of broadcast television, which, as he's explaining that to Bojack, realises that he's made a huge mistake yet again. Um, 
He's explaining that obviously he's working in television now and he's a, he doesn't really like roller skating, but he's there with his boss, Wanda Pierce, who is the head of programming at MBM, the network that he works for in Hollywood. Um, Bojack asks a few questions about her and we learn that Wanda has been in a coma for 30 years, um, which allows for a nice joke about the television industry when Bojack questions how somebody just getting out of a coma could have got a job um, in television and he points out that she's been there 30 years, she's got tenure and everybody else has been fired while she's been in hospital. <laughs> because of this. So, so yeah, before we get on to Wanda and her meeting with Bojack, uh, Pinky's move to television and the commentary on the fickle nature of television in general I thought was quite pointed here. Oh, 100%. And I guess if you're going to use a character for that, then Pinky's the perfect foil, isn't he? Because he's already <laughs> had such bad luck with them. With the, with the publishing industry, that only Pinky would put himself in a situation where he dives straight into something else that was going to bring him a bunch of turmoil. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite nice that they've used a, a character, an animal, obviously an animal's quality in this case, of one that often falls on his face, to be the guide for the viewer of what industry the writers are trying to tell you are utterly collapsing. So if Pinky gets into something, then odds are it's dying on the vine and we're going to watch it happen. Even bigger than this pamphlet, which you've missed out entirely, is the fact that Pinky Penguin, a penguin, is in a skating rink on rollerblades <laughs> when he should be out on the ice just being a penguin, doing penguin-like stuff. And he can't even do it that well. <laughs> doesn't really want to do it, does he? doesn't even want to rollerblade that much. And he's not actually that good at it. Somehow that's not his scene. Somehow it's yeah. not in his DNA, even though he's a goddamn penguin. So, yeah, so he is there, obviously, just uh, to accompany Wanda, his new boss. Um, and, yeah, she's been in a coma for 30 years. We see a series of pitches in cutaway form to show how she's doing as the head of a, a network, as this network executive. There is basically a rule of three joke to do a 9-11 gag as a big payoff, which is absolutely brutal. But as uh, Wanda explains to Bojack, she comes over and introduces herself, that everything feels fresh if you just forget the last 30 years have happened, which is a huge line considering the, the way that Bojack Horseman starts. That is the tell to the audience, much as it's the tell to Bojack the character, that for the first time in this show's history, we have met a character who knows nothing of horsing around, who knows nothing of Bojack, who thinks nothing of him either way. They don't, she doesn't consider him like the dates do. They're not fawning over this new book, nor does she hold him in contempt or disdain because all they, she remembers him from is a night of sitcom. This is a completely new angle with which to view Bojack that he or we have never experienced. Is she maybe one of the first people he's ever met who hasn't referred to him as the horse from horsing around? Or like definitely the first like, in the show. To the first in show, surely, because everybody always calls him the horse from horse around, and she's just like, who? <laughs> Which, of <laughs> course, is perfect for the owl that she is. Because Wanda is an owl, yeah. It's, it's interesting because he's got a kind of love-hate relationship with that, are you the horse from horse around thing? Because when it services him, he'll absolutely take it. But when he wants actual respect and credibility, he, that's the last thing he wants to hear. This is completely fresh. This is brand new, kind of much like the shows that she believes she's pitching. <laughs> Wonderful, wonderful audio gag here. Over a song that plays in the ring mm. called Special Feelings, <laughs> they have their little meet cute moment. Uh, she offers him to skate. And then, in my favourite gag of the episode that felt ripped right from the Christmas special, um, Bojack responds to the request to skate. Oh, man. Yeah. You, know what this, you know what they say? You can lead a horse to roller, but you can't make them rink. And Pinky Penguin, who is still sat at the bar, pops his head in to go, what? <laughs> lead a horse to roller but you can't make him rink it's it's so great it's such yeah. a good gag obviously pinky's involvement in it is crucial for the, the the big laugh but um 
it's again it plays to the fact that Wanda has no experience of horsing around has no experience of Bojack she laughs she thinks this is just a stupid witticism from this character rather than a line that he would have hated delivering when he was in the show it's like it's Herb Kazaz hack stuff that he's completely getting away with um, but anyway, they have a wonderful night together. They order some fries at the bar, allowing for a wonderful visual gag where uh, Bojack is about to throttle the waiter because there's some curly fries in with the regular ones. But Wanda actually sees that as a positive. She compares it to a sitcom crossover. And of course, they bond even more over that. There are, it's strange here because the shared references between the two are the sort of things that Bojack actively wouldn't go looking for in the people he regularly goes out with. But here, this feels completely brand new. Because the whole thing is brand new for him, isn't it? He's got mm. he's got the special feeling, Michael. He's got, <laughs> he's got it in his little tummy. You can feel the special feeling, and one that is bringing it out of him. And because she's kind of got that, um, she's got that innocence, hasn't she? That completely mm. clean slated. He's got a fresh slate with her. And despite the fact that he might have normally seen this as perhaps a bit of a negative, it doesn't feel that way for him because it's all completely untrotted territory. <laughs> There is, you know, you know, there is some neat mirroring between these two because mm. she's been in a coma for 30 years, but so is his career. He's just, he just happened to be awake for it instead. <laughs> um, speaking of staying awake, they talk all night at the place. We cut back to Bojack's flat and it's a lovely little shot. They're both sat on Bojack's bed talking and then the camera cuts to the window again. You also see that beautiful vista from Bojack's uh, window in his bedroom and the sun is coming up and he himself is shocked that all they've done is stay up all night talking. It implies that they've had, as friends would say, the night, where it's not about the sex, it's about the talking, it's about the bonding. Uh, Bojack just directly references this. He doesn't shy away from it. He says, uh, you know, like, oh, we've had all we've done is spend this night talking. We haven't even had sex, to which Wanda then sort of gestures, oh, there's still time, uh, which allows us for the wonderful cutaway text joke, a perfectly normal amount of time later for somebody Bojack's age, to imply that they indeed did have sex. Bow, chicka, wow, wow. <laughs> I love this because it was like the way that it corrupts his brain, as I'm sure you're about to get onto, <laughs> is just magical. He is completely <laughs> wrecked with conclu uh, with confusion and just these feelings of actually wanting to spend time with her. He doesn't even want the words to come out of his mouth to the point where he offers her a trip to Disneyland. <laughs> he he's fighting with the words as they're coming out. He's just a complete wreck. But of course, the cutaway, the big cutaway here is he's taking her to Todd's Disneyland. So yeah, um, before we get onto Todd's Disneyland, uh, Bojack, as you say, in a romantic setting, has never looked less comfortable with himself. It's not the kind of discomfort that he's got masking the child abuse he suffered as a kid to Diane or stifling his feelings as he did in season one when he was in the room with Diane. This is more that he actually wants to share. He wants to give more of himself up, which is kind of the opposite of normally where he's asking people, do you get it? Or he's trying to drag things back from people. Instead, he wants to give it out when he just doesn't know what to do with that at all. We've not seen him being put in this scenario whatsoever so far. And you can tell we're kind of struggling to deal with it as much as he is. Because yeah. we're used to seeing him be self-destructive. We're used to seeing him be like closed out. We're used to seeing him completely reject any of this sort of thing and just fill the void with other things. But he says it himself. He's like, I don't even... He said, I want to spend more time with you sober, like in day <laughs> in the daylight hours, he says, which is just like, whoa, whoa, whoa what? It's, <laughs> it's quite nice that they're obviously, the writers are in the groove now and we, the viewers, are into season two. And what it allows you to have at this point is like to be disarmed by a character's moves and motivations. You can't really do that in season one because you have to learn them first. But we now feel very at home with all of, like all of the things that make Bojack Bojack, basically. So seeing this, seeing him, 
basically be completely disarmed by the feelings that he's getting does the same to us and it's it's quite sweet in a way isn't it so yeah uh less sweet is actual disneyland where we arrive at Tos Disneyland, and for the want of a better phrase, it's just a complete circus of horrors. It's dangerous. There's loose wires everywhere. There's fires. There's uh, fires, plural. There's used mattresses, which uh, Diane, who is there visiting with Bojack and Wanda and uh, Princess Carolyn uh, and Vincent Adultman, uh, Diane just simply expresses a little bit of concern about the health and safety of these used mattresses being so close to a grease fire, which is another one of the attractions at Tosdens Land, which is interesting here because Wanda says to Bojack, oh, your friend is so negative. Bojack being the new boyfriend completely sells out his old flame, his yeah. old friend Diane in the moment. But what's quite interesting as a viewer here is that like before that point, Diane's complaint felt totally rational. Any character in this show, not least the one that we've always called like the real truth of the show, mm. would raise that valid point to Bojack. But Wanda is brand new at the dynamic. And I think it's interesting how she completely upsets the apple muffin cart by even referencing that Diane would be negative. We don't hear negativity. We hear rational Diane telling the truth, trying to find trying to find some sense in a scene of total chaos. Whereas Wanda is just so overwhelmingly positive that she thinks Diane's a bit of a moaner. And I think that in itself is quite interesting, as along with obviously Bojack completely selling down the river. Yeah, I think a lot of us would never have even batted an eyelid, really, would because this is classic Diane, if you like. <laughs> yeah. She was just being very on brand, she's doing her thing. But then as soon as one as soon as Wanda says that, you can't tell me you weren't thinking, Oh yeah, I guess she's kinda of got yeah. a point, yeah. Like she's got a point. Like because Wanda's so again, she's just so innocent, she's so positive, she's so completely untarnished by Hollywood and all of its tar, that she's kind of just, <laughs> she's just seeing things the way they are. And, and again, obviously we get Bojack who completely sells Diana, but it's Bojack, so we expect that classic Bojack. But this is again him following that pattern of trying to do something different. We saw it in episode one where he's obviously a brand new life and using all of the audio tapes to try and mm. like talk, talk himself positive. Now he's pretending he's positive just for the sake of uh, Wanda's benefit, which we know hasn't worked for him in the past. I think it's quite nice as well. I think it's good writing to have Wanda's comment feel authentic and genuine and Bojack be the dick and immediately take any heat away. If that comment was just left to fester and it was Wanda saying it, we, the viewer who have grown with Diane and Bojack's relationship, might be suspicious of Wanda and might not like the bond that they're trying to get across to us. Whereas instead, Bojack just takes all the heat out of the moment and makes it kind of about himself being an arse to Diane rather than Wanda just picking up on one of Diane's little foibles, which is good. It's good of the writers to do that and protect Wanda's character when she's so brand new to us. Yeah, but it also does just plant that little like little seed, doesn't it? Where which mm. it does with quite a lot of the women in Bojack's life, particularly uh, Diane, PC, and now uh, Wanda, where mm. we still there's still some sort of protective ownership dynamic, isn't there? Whether Diane wants to admit it or not, she's always intertwined with Bojack in some way, shape, or form, even though it's technically not romantic. We know there's something still in there, isn't there? Yeah, like it's confusing feelings from yeah. all those female characters, isn't it? Because of because he's so complex mm. that they can't just take it can't just be black or white with him, can it? That he wouldn't have allowed for that with them, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, we uh, the Wanda and Bojack are just completely loved up to speak more to Diane's suspicions and concerns over this relationship. Wanda visits Bojack on the set of Secretariat, and they're just all over each other. There's PDA, the lot. 
Diane is pretty disgusted by it, <laughs> as as was I when I was watching and trying to take notes. Um, and she kind of like alludes to uh, Kelsey there that um, oh, he's just acting like he's in his 20s again, which allows Kelsey Janice to go off uh, on this incredible rant that is the moment of the episode that I didn't note down verbatim because I wouldn't have been able to do it justice. But basically what she says is he'll always be that age because famous people stop growing when they get famous. She calls it the age of stagnation, which I thought was such a powerful way to phrase it. And notes that it also happens to married couples who don't challenge each other too all the while while Diane looks at a Storky's card because we find out earlier in the episode that her and Mr. Peanut Butter have gone to the same sandwich restaurant for 80 weeks over sorry 80 times in the course of a month so whilst Diane has basically tried to spit out a bit of jealousy towards Bojack's new relationship she's then also been forced to look inwards at her own marriage to Mr. Peanut Butter yeah, it's funny this because again, this continues almost straight away the dynamic, doesn't it? The the Diane dynamic, if you will, where she's mm. she's projecting this weird or, or she's almost been a bit like the one thing she doesn't really like. You know, she talks about how she hated high school because it was all these yeah. girls who were kind of gossiping about her and doing horrible things to her. Well, in a way, she is kind of doing this towards Bojack and uh, Wanda, even though again, Wanda, the things she's actually doing aren't. It's not her trying to be like showy she's not trying to be over the top it's bojack who's being over the top he's the one who cancels like he's stops filming to kind of yes. say look it's my girlfriend he shouts yeah. her across and she's kind of actually a little bit embarrassed but like cutely and coyly embarrassed like it's it's cute she's like mm. bojack people are looking and like they're kissing but it's bojack who's the one who's making it into the the negative thing if you like she's just kind yeah. of enjoying the moment then that brings out a Diane, that weird little catty moment. And then Kelsey incredibly brings her down back to reality, which is is a weird moment where Diane, who is normally the real truth, as we call her, gets grounded by Kelsey, who's the 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 war-torn veteran at this point, who's like seen it all and done it all, and just kind of puts Diane back in her place a little bit. Well, it's funny you mention that because what I think why Diane got caught out here is because she wasn't being Diane. She wasn't being true. She's got more feelings for Bojack than she's willing to admit for one. And yeah. for two, what triggers Kelsey to go on about married couples was that Diane said, oh, well, I'm glad I'm not famous. And then has a little moment in her head where she's like, well, I'm kind of, I'm kind of famous, but I'm not famous, famous. I had a best-selling book, but I'm not famous, famous. Mm. And then Kelsey, Kelsey won't let her have it. She says, it's not just famous people, yeah. it's married people as well. And it's great, obviously, because we know Kelsey's got issues with an ex-wife. So it's almost as if she suffered through that and tried through her divorce to find like, like find a way out of the age of stagnation that now she's basically trapped Diane in with this incredible run. But yeah, by Diane... Like, kind of getting a little bit sucked into the Hollywood machine a little bit. Kelsey just reminded her, you're probably best off just staying true to yourself. Because if you don't, you're going to get caught out like all the rest of these. Um, back to Bojack and Wanda still having the, the honeymoon theory of their relationship. Uh, Bojack has taken her to a 50s diner. Because as he puts it, nothing was bigger in the 80s than 50s nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> To which Wanda is absolutely overmoon with all the settings. She says it's everything that she remembers from the 80s, from things like Back to the Future, not that she lived through any of this. Um, it's just really, it's just a, a nice, cute gag, but it facilitates um, a wonderful musical joke in this. The song on the jukebox, I Just Met My Perfect Match, comes on, which is like this sort of 50s uh, string guitar band, just uh, singing in harmonies. I just met my perfect and oh i'm so pleased you went for that what's wonderful about it is is that we get it twice don't worry you won't have to listen to it being sung twice but we get it twice because don't, we are... don't do this to the fans michael they can't <laughs> you can't give them that once and not give them a second rendition look 
people could have this on their earbuds. I don't want to put them in a 30-year coma, although a 30-year sleep will be quite nice considering the time we're recording this. <laughs> this scene is to introduce us to a character called Alex, who is sat at the next booth and hears Bojack and Wanda having a conversation about her 30-year coma and reveals that he has also been in a coma for 30 years. <laughs> at which point, the record scratches, so the DJ has to play it again from the very start. So Alex and Wanda have the exact same eyes staring into each other for this same tune all over again, at which point Bojack's head, like Pinky's earlier in the episode, diagonally pops into shot with utter fury and jealousy at the fact that he might be losing somebody that he considers his perfect match. Alex, all of this is brilliant. All of this is, like, to use our own phrase, all of this is classic Bojack. It's classic Bojack, but this is ridiculous on so many different <laughs> levels. And yet, I'm not even joking. I'm not even questioning the fact that Alex, how, how has he timed this to be in a coma at exactly the same time? It doesn't matter. All of it doesn't matter because they make it work with all the other gags. And not even not even just what you're getting in the wider scale of things. When Wanda turns around to look at him, she does the thing that owls do where her head turns 180 <laughs> degrees. She doesn't even move, Michael. She's still facing Bojack. And that's all head weirded out by that. And you've yeah. just highlighted that's why. It's just an owl. <laughs> oh, blimey. She is an owl. Bojack is extremely jealous in the car on the way home. But as you sort of alluded to earlier on, agrees, like Snoop Dogg, to drop it like she's hot, to which Rhonda just doesn't get. She says Snoop Dogg goes, who? Because she is an owl and has been in a coma for 30 years. Uh, which actually, her not getting that joke makes Bojack more cross. It compounds the issues that he's having because all of a sudden somebody who also wouldn't get that joke, is in her life. Uh, because I should point out that uh, Wanda and Alex have agreed to uh, exchange numbers or exchange details via Filofax or Rolodex that she brings with her everywhere because she doesn't have a, a mobile phone or a pager or anything like that. Which is, of course, tubular. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Bojack says he's going to drop it, which is just great because he's in a real adult relationship now. Cut to him outside Alex's house with his bag <laughs> of course, spice. Yeah, he's called PC over to help uh, because he's told her that he's found the new Haley Joel Osment, to which as soon as she gets there, realises it couldn't be the case because, come on, Adam Nicholas, there's never going to be another Haley There's never going to be another Haley Joel Osment, mate. Never. The thing is, because it's Bojack Horseman, uh, he was right. There was a reason for it to be spying on uh, Alex. Uh, if he couldn't, I should point out, he's gone for Princess Carolyn because he couldn't get Todd uh, because he's busy with Disneyland. And he couldn't get Margot Martindale because in jail, she's in jail for reasons that for he's reasons forgotten. he cannot remember. <laughs> oh, if we didn't know that Margot Martindale was having such a nice time in prison, you'd feel terribly awful for her. But, you know, she's already got that place under control, hasn't she? You really would. And, Michael, can I just... Can I just intervene here? Because I want to say this line more than you do, I think. Um, because when Bojack discovers, of course, that Alex is, in fact, uh, as as dastardly as he thought he was, he mm. discovers he's, of course, been a sleeper agent, doesn't he? He discovers does. that he's a sleeper agent for the KGB, Michael, and he's, he's on a radio himself, trying to radio back to Mother Russia to find out if he can get his orders from people. Of course, he's 30 years late. And what does Bojack say when he discovers the truth? He says, slap my salami, the guy's a commie. <laughs> he's just, he's just yowza bowser bowser, the big reveal of the episode. All this was missing, and I feel like it was missing by design because there was no Pinky Penguin, there was no Bojack Dagley, there was me and you sat separately going, huh? <laughs> 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 so 
slap my salami, the guy's a commie. He's <laughs> indeed a commie. Yes, Alex is a Russian spy. Bojack learns this through Alex trying to radio through to his command in Russia, wherever it is. He says he's woken up from deep sleep, so we're led to believe through that plot that he's, uh, for some reason, he's been sent to America to do some sort of untold damage because, in his mind, the Cold War is still ongoing. If only he knew. Um, but yes, uh, so uh, Bojack. I should point out, I don't want to dip too much into Todd's storyline until we get to the, the rest of the other characters. But uh, Todd has some legal troubles, as you can imagine, with Disneyland. We will get to that later. But anyway, he has a, he has a nice time in court, and Bojack has staged a party to uh, to celebrate Todd's victory in court. Only not really. He has staged a party round at his house to out Alex as a Russian spy, as a KGB agent. But because he's so cruel about this, and because Alex has obviously gone through some stuff in this deep sleep, much as the same as Wanda has in this 30-year coma, he immediately becomes the sympathetic figure in the room. Bojack's attempt to villainise him in front of all these people only heaps sympathy on this man. We learn a bit more about Alex's life. We turn turns out we didn't really want to be put in this position. He felt like he had to. He doesn't know what threats America might hold. He's walking the streets terrified every day. Um he is genuinely quite a nice guy that is just trying to do right by people. Uh, he's anti-capitalist, and in doing so, he kind of like he expresses some loathing disdain for the Hollywood machine, the machine that we know is completely broken, the machine that would commission a bi-monthly curated box of snacks over an actual film. Like, is Alex in the right here? Might communism make more sense in Hollywood than capitalism? Um, but ultimately, the big the bigger issue here is that this reveals Bojack's like mean streak, his jealousy, and Wanda leaves the party in total disgust over with that. Um, he drags Princess Carolyn over again, um, round to his house this time with the promise of another Dakota Fanning, which she only realizes halfway through as she's walking at the door. She's called him to get him another beer, but not get him one because he's trying not to drink, which Princess Carolyn reveals the absurdity of. And then he says, I'll nah, get me the beer anyway. Get one for yourself. Actually, get me two beers. I need people. <laughs> I would like both beers, please. <laughs> but the gist of this, again, because PC is so goddamn brilliant, is that she just tells him to stop letting himself get in the way of himself. Like, if he actually likes this girl, go and win her back. Um, he finds her back at Todd's Disneyland. And believe me, we will get on to Todd's Disneyland in a bit more detail. Uh, but yeah, he, uh, he's ready to make the big apology. Um, he has his thunder slightly stolen by Mr. Peanut Butter. More on that later. But uh, <laughs> Alex, the, Alex the Communist is also there, which initially makes Bojack jealous, until he sees that capitalism does indeed eat itself as Todd's Disneyland burns around them. So his job is effectively done. It's been a successful mission for deep sleep and indeed Russia in this Cold War that ended 30 years ago. Um, he no longer has his purpose, so he disappears from view, which obviously makes Bojack's life a little bit easier. Um Disneyland is burning around them, but Bojack does fight for Wanda. He fights for what he wants, and he just decides to be honest about how broken he is. Wanda kind of cuts him off, worried that he's going too far into his faults, but it's all for a bigger picture. He says, you make me want to be a better man, which is stolen wholesale from as good as it gets. <laughs> that Nicholson's big line, but why would she know that? She's been in a coma. The cheeky bastard is on the rob because... <laughs> He's used all his best sitcom material and now we can go big with an actual Hollywood production that's going to get him what he wants. Um, so indeed, every dog has his day. Bojack, in a last desperate gasp to sort of seal the deal, says, move in with me. Uh, he actually shows his commitment. This is a, a really sweet moment. Maybe Bojack has found the one, the one, duh, who knows? Uh, the one, duh. Uh, and as she agrees, Disneyland completely fatally collapses around him. There are flames everywhere. 
Bojack goes pale and wide-eyed. Bang! Credits. End of episode. <laughs> right as we're left to deal with a split second of regret that Bojack has suddenly shared with us all. And the scene could be best described as a hot ending in terms of <laughs> it's literally covered in flames. His whole world is covered in flames as he makes a plunge, a very rash plunge. And the, the look on his face to close out this episode is probably sums up how we're all feeling at the moment, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, yeah. They were, they were trapped. They were starting to, Bojack was starting to feel quite stressed and trapped by his surrounds. Does any of that feel familiar to yourself or anyone listening? <laughs> But yeah, um, but I mean, we've seen this quite a few times now, but they're so great at leaving you, like they drop you off a cliff on these endings. And this was another triumphant ending to what was like a really, a fabulous and funny episode that dealt with a lot of the themes that sitcoms would. But because we now know that Bojack doesn't just reset at the end of a week, we know it deals with the consequences. You're left with the heft of Bojack's instant comical regret with his move. And like, how are we going to be carrying this by the next episode? Because this is a big move for him. This is it. The first, within learning from seconds that he's about to make a big move, you are then left asking the question, how is he going to try and get out of this big move? How, how is he going to mess it up is what we're how immediately thinking. Yeah. So on to the, the rest of the characters, the other Hollywood stars and celebrities in this episode. Um, Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter don't have a great deal. We kind of alluded to it in Diane's little comment uh, about Bojack. She's got some concerns about the future of the relationship. Uh, we actually start the episode with the two of them. Uh, Peanut Butter's getting the cone removed off his head that we saw last week that cost him $6,000. Because <laughs> as, as Alex would later learn, capitalism will just eat itself. Um, they agree to go to Storky's, their favourite sandwich shop. Um with Diane uh, noting with some consternation, they've gone there 80 times because the 81st sandwich is free. Uh, <laughs> Peanut Butter says yes, uh, admitting that he doesn't really like it, but he just goes there because she likes it and he wants to do it. And uh, that leaves her with a lot to ponder about their relationship and certainly Mr. Peanut Butter's involvement in it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. But the, the rest of Peanut Butter's plot, the, the meat of his episode is not in the sandwich, but in Todd's life. Uh, Todd is indeed launched at Disneyland. 
nothing we can say in a review podcast will capture truly the visuals of Disneyland. It's a, it's a must-see to just try and capture everything. You will no doubt have captured a million of those hidden gags, but the sheer scale of the visual of what it gives you to talk about, it does indeed look like it's taken five years to build, even though it's only going to take seconds for it to collapse. Um <laughs> Peanut Butter is there as a guest at first, uh, squirting water into one of the clown's mouth in one of those balloon-filling tricks. Uh, and then when he sees Todd, kind of forces himself upon the project. He notes that by because Todd was doing it while he was an while he was Peanut Butter's assistant as part of BB Living, that this is part of a, a joined product together, and there's nothing really he can do about it. And then Peanut Butter, in a very uh, in a very good boy, good dog move, makes Todd's life very difficult because he had his suspicions about Disneyland and the ownership of Disneyland. <laughs> so he thought he'd best go check it out. And in doing so, brings, of course, the real Disneyland's lawyers to Todd's lap. Uh, Todd is really furious about this, obviously, because, you know, why would he want to deal with those legal problems? And moreover, why would he want really peanut butter involved in this? This has been his project for five years, not Mr. Peanut Butter. Um, ultimately, <laughs> peanut butter... Peanut Butter in just sharing his enthusiasm gets distracted halfway through with Erica, who is a visitor <laughs> to Disneyland, which takes that Eric out up to seven. So even in being enthusiastic and nearly bringing it to his knees, he's still being distracted by other things. Um, we have a law and order cut to take us to the courtroom where Todd is obviously going to lose this case. Of course he's going to lose it. But being Todd, he just takes a Hail Mary and he just asks them to check the, check the paperwork again because he's thick enough to think that there might be a spelling error in Disneyland's copyright paper. And it works. <laughs> Walt Disney, in the 50s, has registered Disneyland with two eyes, meaning that they don't have a case. Nobody has ever noticed that the original paperwork has Disneyland with two eyes. And Todd's Disneyland can stay. Uh, the, the Disneyland lawyer calls this a gross miscarriage of justice. So his Todd replies, hooray, gross miscarriage. <laughs> can I just, anybody watching this episode, I need you to, I assume at this point, it's still Jake Johnson, of course, of New Girl fame, who does the voice of the lawyer, the raccoon. Is it, <laughs> is it, a, is, is it a raccoon? No, yeah. he's not a raccoon. He's a sloth. Oh, he's a sloth, sloth yeah. Sorry. A sloth-looking lawyer. He doesn't, I don't know if he's, he doesn't act very slow, but he has that kind of characteristics. Anyway, getting off on one here. Just go back and listen to the noise he makes when, <laughs> when he realises that he's like, that's preposterous. How can you imagine that anybody would ever... <laughs> The noise that comes out of him is incredible. And it literally sums up exactly how you, me, and everybody else watching this episode is feeling because it's so stupid. And you just know before Todd's even finished his sentence, he's going to be right about this. How is he going to be right about it? And he is. It's, again, like more fortune continues to favour Todd. It has favoured PB living so far and all the ridiculous ideas it has, and here it is again. But um, obviously, because of having to go through this at the party that Bojack has thrown, Todd, furiously, in a scene that doesn't give you a gag, it doesn't give you an escape, nothing. This is two human beings in a fight talking to each other. There's, there's no let-off, there's no punchline here. Uh, Todd is so angry with Mr. Peanut Butter and the whole like experience he's gone through with the lawsuit that he bans him outright from Disneyland. So we move sort of forward with the episode with Bojack's plot and we find ourselves back at Disneyland. And sure enough, it has caught fire because you can't put a load of used mattresses and uh, flame-related rides next to an open grease fire. Diane oh, no. was right. Oh, Diane yeah. was right. Of course she was right. A huge fire breaks out at Disneyland. 
<laughs> but an out of breath peanut butter who was banned sees the flames and goes to the fire department but he's so out of breath that he can't quite get the words out and he sends the fire department off to another catastrophe completely uh, through not being able to get the words out in a ginormous lassie gag so he has to go and do it himself he uh, he clambers up the roller coaster where todd is stuck in a, a poorly constructed track uh, and he uses a hose to put the fire out and squirt Todd in the face which of course is a call back to what he was doing when Todd first found him there at Disneyland it's just something that Peanut Butter likes to do but by a sheer luck rather than good judgment he saved the day and it kind of brings them both together and all of this of course takes place in the exact same setting of Bojack's love like his declaration of love to Wanda so you've got these two relationships kind of falling apart and then reforming at the exact same time as everything falls apart around them in a sea of flames. It's a really nice visual to see them two things happening separately as a, as a way to kind of give the episode a big finish. I love how they made that little moment of him using the squirt gun on the seahorse ride earlier in the episode actually end up paying dividends because yeah. it actually everything matters in this show. Everything, everything matters. matters. No waste of motion. Everything. I have no more plot to go through, but it just occurs to me that I haven't given her a shout out because I'm sure she'll be listening and she'll want one. Lisa Kudrow is the voice of Wanda in this episode. And of course, it's impossible not to hear Lisa Kudrow's voice and not think of Phoebe and Friends. But it's yet again a great subversion of taking something that is so known and beloved from a sitcom, in this case, one of the actors. And it's just such a fabulous cast. She adds heft and believability to this um, character that's been in a coma for 30 years. We know her so well as Phoebe, and we know that she can do dits very well also from Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion. And there's just the right amount of dits and heart in somebody that wouldn't know things, that would be naive and yet determined. She's a strong woman in a male-dominated world, in a male-dominated industry. And I just I thought her vocal performance right out the gate was fantastic. Yeah, it was great, this, because I remember immediately hearing it and going, I know who this is. Why do I know who it is? Like, it did take me a little while to connect mm. the dots because, Michael, I don't know if you've noticed, she's an owl. <laughs> and, and you know, it's, if you take some of the letters from Lisa Kudrow, you can probably get the word owl, I would imagine. <laughs> but it's not about that. It's just the fact that the performance is feels like a more nuanced version of Phoebe, doesn't it? She's not out and out stupid. She's not out and out wacky or wild. Wanda is, as you say, slightly ditzy, but actually she's still rooted very much in reality, which is quite a rarity in here. And also, surprise, surprise, she's not a man, so she's probably <laughs> not an idiot either, which is always nice. Um, but if that's you all done... That's good. Then good. Let's go and get ourselves some horsing around, shall we? Oh, yes, please. As always, at this point in the episode, we go back through the episode and find all of the hidden meanings, all of the tiny little small details you might have missed, all the Easter eggs and everything in between. Okay, let's go back to the very beginning of the episode, and we're outside Elefante. There's a whole bunch of treasures here. We've got one of the raccoons who we've seen many times in season one is added again. He's having a wash in the fountain at the front of Elefante <laughs> because he's a raccoon, Michael. He needs to get clean whatever way he can. The giraffe, who we saw in a previous episode, may have even been the last one, had to curl his neck around to get in the car because mm. his neck was too long and the car was too compact for him, has now managed to, he's, he's in a convertible, so he's managed to retract the roof of the convertible so he can now get his head out the top, no problem, which is That's always good. nice. Nice, yeah. bit con nice bit of convenience for him, but continuity nevertheless. Um, interestingly, when Bojack is on all of these dates and we get to a point where we see a nice cut and they're going back and forward between dates and mm. he's swapping out girls and who he's talking to, and eventually someone says, oh, is this the restaurant? So we see that he moves restaurants, changes places, and he ends up in this unnamed seafood restaurant. We don't actually get to find out what it's called, I don't think. But there's a whole host of amazing gags going on in here. 
Uh, behind him initially, as he's talking, you'll see a man who is eating a giant, I assume it's like a crab or lobster, lobster claw. Mm-hmm. And he's like, the, the, the guy is like um, preparing it with um, salt. But obviously it's so big because it's a it's the claw of a anthropomorphic crab or lobster <laughs> that he's eating. So this guy's just eating this giant thing, which is funny in itself. You're then distracted by the next guy you'll see is the bartender is an octopus. So he's got like eight nice. arms and he's making a cocktail for a guy and he's using <laughs> about four of them at the same time, which is wonderful. Um, but then as we cut back, we see behind Bojack as time has moved on slightly. Somebody else is sitting in the chair where the guy eating the big lobster slash, I'll call it a lobster uh, claw mm. for the sake of this, lobster claw. Uh, we now see is a lobster is sitting in the chair, the lobster person, with his own hand on the plate. <laughs> and he's squeezing lemon on his own hand as he's preparing to eat his own hand. Incredible, Brilliant. incredible Brilliant. scenes. Absolutely incredible. Uh, back at Bojack's house, um, we see Todd is eating a bowl of cereal and having a drink at the same time. The cereal, uh, Michael, is a bowl of Mice Krispies. Um, and, on the, <laughs> and on the cover is a bunch of mice who are sitting in the bowl of cereal like it's a hot tub and they're all wearing like sunglasses and swimsuits and just taking a bath in the milk of the cereal. Is <laughs> disturbing. I snap crackled and popped it on a gag. I bet you did for multiple reasons. <laughs> some of our listeners won't even be aware of. <laughs> However, on top of that, there's also uh, Todd who has a can of what is looks like Mountain Dew, but is of course Alpine sweat. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and not only is he drinking it, but he does indeed put it on his bowl of Mice Krispies because it's Todd and he's disgusting. <laughs> um, we In a flashback, we see on Bojack's deck when he's Todd's explaining how many times he's told Bojack about Disneyland. Uh, as you mentioned, there's a magazine Bojack is reading to tell us what the time period is. The magazine is called It's 2012 Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> and, on, and on the magazine, you can see there's a picture of the guy from Gangnam Style that says... Guy who did Gangnam Style, number one hit wonder, probably. Uh, and then <laughs> and then below it, it says, 100 breast autocorrect fails. Brilliant. <laughs> also in the flashback elsewhere is outside the front of Bojack's house. You'll see that Todd has had people working for him who are, of course, worker bees. They are working hard outside the front. The best grafters you can possibly find for a cheap book. And also, you'll see, they're carrying across the eventual game that is the Seahorse game where you'll shoot the targets and the seahorses are going across. But isn't it coincidence, Michael, that there's a bunch of horses that are racing along a track, a bit oh. like Secretariat, perhaps? Very nice. Very, Very nice. good indeed. Um, we go to the hospital, which is, of course, named St. Bernard Medical Centre, which is, of course, <laughs> a dog, Michael St. Bernard. I think we've covered that before in the previous season, but mention it again, nevertheless. Yeah. Inside there, we've got a bunch of posters. One of the posters says, talk to your kids about puberty. And on the picture is a butterfly stepping out of a chrysalis. (laughs) Very good stuff. Really Very, very good. There's another poster that says, ask your doctor if neutering is right for you. We've got a dog in the bottom of looking up towards two, not (laughs) testicles, Michael, but tennis balls in the top (laughs) corner of the poster. There's also an x-ray of a dog, maybe Mr. Peanut Butter, maybe just Mm. a generic dog. It shows a bunch of things inside the dog's stomach, including bones that he's eaten, keys that he's eaten, and a spoon, because you never know. (laughs) You never know what you're going to find. Also, just a little tidbit, the skeleton that's normally a human skeleton you'd see is an anthropomorphic animal with horns (laughs) instead, because why not? Why not? At Bellican's Bar, because as you mentioned, Bojack is now famous again because of his book. 
Uh, we, I just thought it was funny. There's a bunch of signs there that says, like, Bojack drinks here. Uh, and there's the motion sensor Bojack outside of Bellican's Bar, which does the, obviously, the Jerry Maguire quotes, if you remember right. <laughs> um, there's one of them just sitting waiting outside. But when Bojack goes in, he's furious that all these people are taking pictures of him and he can't just have a drink. And he shouts out, you vultures are killing me, as he storms out of the bar before we cut the two vultures at the bar who say... <laughs> I'm sure he's talking about other vultures. <laughs> Very nice. Then we cut across to San Fernando <coughs> Skate. Um, as we see inside, we see uh, there's an arcade game, Michael, in the background, and it's Decapathon 7. Oh, uh, brilliant. In a nice little nod to uh, the previous game that nearly killed Todd's whole life. <laughs> um, in one of Wanda's flashbacks, when she's talking about she was doing a meeting and she's pitching a bunch of TV shows, uh, one of the things she pitches in the rule of three, she says, what about a show about the Kirk Cameron show? And for anybody who needs to know, Kirk Cameron was, of course, Mike Seaver on ABC's sitcom Growing Pains, another reference to another sitcom as the show continues to do. We also see her pitch the show, Hey, I Think You Can Dance, which is, of course, a cheeky little nod to all these shows we've seen, Strictly Come Dancing, Dancing with the Stars, yada, yada, yada. But most notably, if you look at the picture, there's a guy who very, very much resembles Simon Cowell sat on the end of the panel with the similar-looking jawline and, and sort of stubble that he's got. No, couldn't tell if he had the high-waisted pants because it was cut off. <laughs> I'm sure he probably did. And the last of these, of course, is the gag, the big gag, where she says, what if we got relevant superstar David Copperfield to make the World Trade Centre disappear? <laughs> to which Pinky Penguin says, oh, I hate to be the one to tell you this, but David Copperfield's not really a jaw anymore. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, a, wild, a wild joke. A wild, wild joke. Uh, back in the skate rink, of course, you mentioned the special feeling song. <laughs> special feeling. <laughs> Very good. But uh, not not to be outdone, of course, by you can lead a horse to roller, but you can't make him rink, which is just an all-timer for stupidity. Over in Disneyland, there's a bunch of stuff, as you can imagine. Uh, the names of half the things here are ridiculous. Todd, mm. feeling like it's a good idea to name a roller coaster. Todd's death coaster always <laughs> makes perfect sense. He's called the Greasefire Gabe Jr., Greasefire of the Caribbean, which <laughs> just, yep, okay, thanks, Todd. There's another sign that says, uh, must be this tall to get on the roller coaster, and then it's in, in brackets, except Todd, who is apparently fine to get on. Uh, there's a mattress pile called Cinderella's Magical Pile of Used Mattresses. Um, just doesn't even make any sense. And then there's a sign next to it that says, "Beware of bedbugs." I just oh, um, Cinderella's used mattress. I know. <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, there's a, a section for face painting, which is incredible. As a kid waiting to get a face painted by one of the worker bees, who just gets a paintbrush with red on it and just paints her face red. <laughs> It just streaks across our face in red, which I thought was amazing. Um, the seahorse racing is called A Little Mermaid's Seahorse Race, but mermaid is spelled M-E-R-M-A-D-E. <laughs> um, because, of course, there's, there's another thing called Hit It, which is the shoot a duck, you know, like with the square gun. And that's an incredible bit here where the kids are shooting these. There's like three signs that are ducks to shoot the targets down. But then the clerk who's running the stall is also a duck who looks exactly oh, the same. Would so you believe it? So they shoot the duck in the face, and he's like, Wah! <laughs> Inside Susie's 50s diner that we go to with Bojack and Wanda, uh, there's a 
good couple of gags in yeah the bartender is strutting around shouting out stella stella <laughs> and you will notice that on his tag is the, the what, what do you think his name is michael the bartender is of course oh. called brando he's a fish person and he's a marling fish he's marling brando michael hamford because of course he is Shouting out Stella, of course, from the film A Streetcar Named Desire. There's also a person wearing a T-shirt that looks like ACDC T-shirt, but it's not Michael. It's ACDG, which to most people would probably just look like a spelling mistake, but it is, in fact, a nod to the Angel City Derby girls, who, if you do a bit of research, you'll know that the Angel City Derby is a women's flat-track roller derby league based in Los Angeles, California. So a nice little nod to a local thing there from the guys and gals there. And finally, in terms of names and gags, we get another waitress who's out there with the tag. Her name is Ball, Michael. Mm. As you'll see, she's also a seal, which (laughs) makes her Lucille Ball. And for anybody who doesn't know who Lucille Ball is, of course, she was an American actress, comedian, model, studio executive, and producer, most notably from uh, the producer of the sitcom I Love Lucy, which Mm -hmm. makes more sense because here they are again plug-in sitcoms, bloody hell, they just love it, don't they? <laughs> On the jukebox inside this 50s diner. So there's a, a shot of a bunch of songs that are on there. Some incredible ones on here. A big mm. list. Got um, Big Joe Turner's Snake Rattle and Roll. Nice. Got Jerry Lee Labrador. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Get out, great... No, it gets worse. Jerry Lee Labrador, Great Barks of Fire. <laughs> <laughs> We've got uh, Dina Washington's What a Difference a Deer Makes. Very good. We've got Woodchuck Berry, who's already been established in this universe. He's, he's canon, isn't he, Woodchuck Berry? Canon. He has been. I, I was hoping he was going to be on this list. He is. And, of course, no other reason for the name of the song. My Dingling is the song of his they chose. <laughs> uh, Ray Charles is on there with one of my favourites from the whole thing. Ray Charles, I Got a Wombat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what you've done there, because it just happened to me, is, and I'm assuming anyone that's listened to this is now going to sing that and sing yeah. it with one bat, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> I got a wombat. Then we had uh, Bobby Darren with Mac the Knife, but Mac, of course, spelt like the monkey. The Mac, is it Mac? M-A-C-A-Q-U-E. Uh, oh, nice. So, which is, of course, very similar to the baboon, which we saw running, who was also featured in this episode. But we'll more on him in a second. Um, we had Richie Valens, who has La Bambi instead of La Bamba, <laughs> <laughs> which isn't even really a one, but it kind of works, I guess. And speaking of one that isn't even really one that kind of works, last but not least, Elvis Presley, Heartbreak Hotel for Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic stuff. When Bojack is spying on Alan at Alan's house, he has a bag that, as you mentioned, is just called Spy Shit. <laughs> because why be subtle when you're a spy? It's not like you need to hide or anything. Uh, and Princess Carolyn, we get a bunch of these. Bojack tricks her into coming to his aid where she's completely foiled because he's look- this on this occasion she's looking for the next Haley Joel Osmond, which, of course, Michael, as you mentioned, we won't ever get. But that is, for anybody who doesn't know, the child star, famous child star, who was in The Sixth Sense and a bunch of other things, but that's where you'll know him from. Back in Disneyland, we see uh, one of Todd's other wonderful inventions, a petting zoo, which is literally just a girl who spent five, five, 50 cents on some feed that she's giving to a human sheep by hand. <laughs> <laughs> and the sheep man has a T-shirt on that says, Ramon. <laughs> <laughs> because he's a sheep, Michael. Um, in court... 
when you, as you mentioned, Todd being in court, the jury was quite an interesting little picture. The entire jury can be seen, and the entire jury are all dears, Michael, apart from one of the jury members, who is a lion, who is sat with a massive gap between him and a (laughs) on the other side who are all very distant from him because they're cautious, Michael. Can't blame them, really, can you? Yeah. Bojack's house party for Todd, there's a bunch of signs here that we see which kind of adds to the slapdash nature of this party. One of the signs says, oh, no, they're Disney. (laughs) Really like that. It's in the Disney font as well, which makes it even better. There's another sign that says, congratulations on your new baby. But it doesn't say that because new baby's been scribbled out and it says legal victory instead. <laughs> and it's, it's, a, it's quite big. It, there's an arrested development gag there, obviously, isn't it? With Will Arnett as Bojack. It just feels yeah. joined up, doesn't it? A lot going on there. Very, very similar. Um, but you will, if you spot any eagle-eyed viewers or maybe owl-eyed viewers, would spot that what that Wanda was reading a magazine in the middle of this. The magazine says on it, it's 2015 magazine, Michael. And it says, <laughs> it says, is this dress blue or white? As you'll remember, the fascinating thing where oh, nobody God. knew whether the dress was a certain colour. But just to make things weirder, the dress on the, on the magazine is green and red. <laughs> <laughs> and also a nice little touch, the killer bees at the party are all drinking cocktails. And as you notice, all the cocktails have flowers in them because they're right. bees and bees like the flowers, don't they? Yeah. Um, outside of Bojack's house, again, I did mention him. You can see the running baboon from the previous episode can be seen continually going up that hill. I wonder how much he's going to fe- feature in this show, Michael. I love, I love that guy already. I love, I love him. him. Love that guy. Um, in his bedroom, Bojack gets Princess Carolyn again with another gag, yeah, where he promises and she says, I came here, you promised me, where's the next Dakota Fat? Oh, I get what happened here. Yeah. <laughs> So the next Dakota Fanning, another child star, but she's not going to get it. Michael, I realise what's happening here is that Bojack knows what her killer weakness is, and the gag overall is that curiosity killed the cat. She's curious to come and oh. find it, and she turns up every time, and he gets that every time, and she'll continue to come until she loses her nine lives, I assume. Um, in Disneyland, we haven't figured this one out yet, you and I, have we? But the roller coaster cart numbers we found were weird. Because Todd is at the top of the roller coaster, greasing it up, because of course he is. <laughs> and the roller coaster cart numbers were just one, two, and then the letter R. Yeah. <laughs> Which we thought maybe might just be a reference to the fact it's the rear, it's the last cart, but also could, if we're stretching our arms and shoulders and all else out really big, because Bojack does so many rules of three, one, two, three, maybe it's one, two, R is in the rule of three, but mm. that. Feels like a stretch, even by our stretchy standards. Yes. Uh, we do go to the Hollywood Hills, or Hollywood Hills, should I say, a fire station, where Mr. Peanut Butter is trying to get some help and attention for his friends. They do an incredible gag here where he's trying to tell them, but he's so out of breath. The guy at the fire station's like, what is it, boy? What is it? <laughs> he's trying to tell them, but this is similar to the gag where they're saying, what, is this kid falling down a well? Because uh, in a reference to both the Lassie um recurring thing where Lassie's telling them but we also said Skippy the Bush Kangaroo might be where they nicked the yes. original idea from um, as they're trying to get the gag across and he's saying what's that a kid's falling down a well and before Mr Peanut Butter can correct them they're already in the wagon the fire truck and they're off because if you'll notice as well the signs that you'll see there there's one arrow that points bizarrely to the brand new made Todd's Disneyland <laughs> so the literal opposite direction it just says 
old well. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like as well, obviously, with the, the reference to Lassie and Skippy, yeah. all they've ever got is animal noises. So it's always unbelievable that they can suddenly figure out there is a kid down a well or a mine shaft or whatever. But in this case, because Mr. Peanutbutter is out of breath but can speak normally, he's just sort of going like, no, no, I don't mean that. But he just he can't stop himself. He still like resorts to dog yeah. losing his breath. <laughs> and he can't. The guy's already made up his mind. He's <laughs> started moving also the last little thing from that location is you will see the uh, flag for the california republic the california republic flag and as you'll all know residents of california if you're listening it's, it's obviously a bear on that flag normally but of course this is board jack horseman so the bear is now a person like a bear person who has got a bunch of clothes on and static sort of crouched over in the position the bear would be wonderful stuff i love it when they do this as you've mentioned michael the last one i had from this whole thing was that um, Bojack, of course, quotes, you want to make me a better man, tries to get away with it all, but of course he can't because we all know that that comes from as good as it gets. The little scoundrel <laughs> trying to pull one over us all, but he doesn't get a chance to. Anyway, that is all of your host around for this week. But as always, because there might be something you've missed, Michael, there might be something mm. you want to tell our listeners about that maybe you didn't have time to cover. Let's go into our one last thing, and then we swear to God we'll shut up about this podcast forever. Would you like to go first or second this week? I'll go first because it's been on my mind since the very start of this episode when you read out the title and synopsis. The title of this episode is Yesterday Land, I do yes, believe. It is. And as a... It's going to be pretty knackered if it's not. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got one last thing anymore. No, um... Yeah, Yesterdayland, for those who might not be aware, um, Disneyland, the real Disneyland, uh, Disney World in Walt Disney World, Florida, uh, one of the big sort of Walt Disney ideas when he first launched it was a futuristic place, um, which obviously plays nicely to the fact that we've got a character in a coma. There's so many references to the 50s and the 80s in this episode specifically. And that place in Walt Disney World is called Tomorrowland. So not only is Yesterdayland dealing with the fact that Bojack has got somebody from effectively from the past, brand new and bringing him into the future, it is just a direct reference, a direct joke at Disney's expense, almost as if they are kind of like poking, not so much poking the bear, but poking the mouse as Todd does in court. Ah, very good. But I am still fascinated how they managed to get away with it because they have the name Disneyland in the show, like on that sign I mentioned. It says mm. Todd's Disneyland. And it's it's written out, so like it's not like they've they they must have just got away with that one because yeah. it's still surely it's there. Maybe like, Todd before it? it is all the difference. Yeah, maybe quite possibly. <laughs> maybe it really is spelt with one with two eyes instead. <laughs> Which brings me nicely, Michael, onto my one last thing for this week's episode, because as we all noticed, there uh, we had the hilarity and the ridiculous nature that uh, Disneyland, in fact, had two eyes on this contract, the name mm. of the thing. And you're probably thinking to yourself, God, how on earth did they get that wrong? Where could that other eye have come from, Michael? Mm. Now, this episode's been full of ridiculous things and far-fetched things, and this whole show is based around far-fetched things. So indulge me for a second, will you? Okay. Because if we go back to the 1950s diner that they were at, on the jukebox, you will see. Now, either someone's made a clerical error here, which sounds highly unlike Bojack Horseman, or this is a brilliant, brilliant gag that... Someone had to uncover, and here we are uncovering it. Mm. If you look, if you see the jukebox, you'll notice that there's all the song titles in the middle, as we mentioned. But at the bottom is like a little keypad, essentially, where it's like uh, the some letters from the alphabet and a bunch of numbers. So the numbers at the bottom are, of course, zero through to nine. But then the alphabet uh, goes like this. If you're reading it normally, this is how the alphabet goes, Michael. For you, mm-hmm. for those at home who don't know the alphabet, <laughs> normally it's A B C D E F G H I J K. 
Yeah. However, in this particular... I, 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 think, I think you're right. I'll let me just check. Yeah. I've Googled, I've Googled it. You are bang on. Good. Just as well Google was handy. I know, <laughs> I know you'd struggle with that. I know, you, I know you're getting on now. I, thought I had it as Q-W-E-R-T-Y. <laughs> However, on this particular thing, it says that the alphabet, the, the ones available are A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, J, K. There's no I present in this keypad. Oh. Now, that's either a real weird coincidence or there's an I gone missing from there and the joke is that they put that I randomly somewhere <laughs> else and it's turned up as the second I in the Disneyland on the contract. Raphael Bob Waxberg, I know you're not listening to this, <laughs> <laughs> but if you ever are, mm. if this was done on purpose, that's how I summarise how good this show is because that's stupid beyond stupid, that. And it works so perfectly. It fits with everything that I'd wanted to fit within this show and I'm all for it. We'll, uh, we'll have to ask him when we get him on for the last episode of Podcast Assessment. Oh, God, that's oh, spoiler-free, spoiler spoiler free, wasn't it? Spoiler-free. Spoiler free. Ah, right. Anyone listening between now and the last ever episode of Podcast Assessment, just forget that I've told you that we're getting RBW on. <laughs> just forget that. Forget I ever said that. Listen, if we end up with him on, actually... It's <laughs> going to be the weirdest thing in retrospect, but hey, I'm here notes every week, and I just don't read it out because I write spoiler around it just to make sure that I don't ruin it for people listening. <laughs> Wonderful stuff, right? Well, we've already started to stretch on. These podcasts are starting to get a bit longer. We do apologise, but you know what it is? It's a new season. It's a new dawn. We're a bit bored, and <laughs> <laughs> and potentially you've got some more time on your hands, and you've got some more time on your hands. So hopefully you're still enjoying them just as much. But in in terms of just enjoying them. Maybe we'll just go to our plugs now and see if you really are still enjoying them and if this has any effect whatsoever. You can find us, as always, on Twitter or Instagram, at Podcast Horseman. Thank you for everybody who's liked, shared, subscribed, retweeted, followed, all the things you can do to help us out. It's making a community, and it's growing day by day, and we love it very much. So you can find us on there, at Podcast Horseman. And you can also, if you really want to, find your hosts and give us a message if you'd like on Twitter for us both. You can find me, Adam Nicholas, at It's Adam Nicholas, or you can find Michael Hamflit At Michael Hamflit And as Nicholas points out, we have really enjoyed building this community over the course of this podcast so far. We're into season two. We've got four more left, so we'd like that to get even bigger. If you want to subscribe on our podcast, that'd be great. It'll get us up the charts on there. If you want to follow along on Spotify, if you want to listen through those mediums, through anywhere you get your podcast, pretty much Acast, Stitcher, Podbean, all those places, and indeed on the app Podcast Horseman Twitter feed. Every Friday when a new episode goes up, it'll go up as a live link within the tweet so you can listen to it if you like anywhere you can find as you can which is what this week's uh entrant into the hollywood talk of fame has done precision prince thank you very much for your review they've titled it yeah podcast horseman they've given us five stars thank you very much precision prince just a reminder if you want to leave us a five star review with a few little words in there they can be as nice or as nasty as you want if you really want to get something out of your system in these difficult times do it just do it with a five star review we'll read you out on a podcast and it'll help us get up those charts it'll be fantastic but precision prince has said this is a brilliant podcast about a brilliant TV series. Couldn't agree more with both the sentiments. Not only are they both super passionate about the show, but they have had different takes on episodes that have merely rewatched them to show what they mean. Plain and simple, I can't get enough of these two talking themselves horse about the talking horse. And that is indeed what we want from all of you listening out there. Love the catchphrase, but we mean it too. Our throats are always spent by the end of this thing. Um, so thank you very much for that. You will get your star on the Hollywood Talk of Fames coming on the, all the usual socials in the next few days. Hooray! And I will apologise again because uh, lockdown has completely thrown me when it comes to the days of the week. So I do need to catch up again on those bloody Hollywood talk of 
fame things, but I'll get there. <laughs> I promise you. I promise you. I'm working Check hard. The, keep checking Instagram. You will see them appear. Working hard or hardly working. Who bloody knows? Anyway, let's finish this off as we do at the end of every episode by looking forward to next week's episode. Of course, we will be on season two, episode three. Still Broken is the name of this episode. And as the synopsis will tell you, a funeral turns into a treasure hunt for the horse and around cast and a potential schmooze fest for Princess Carolyn and Mr. Peanut Butler. That sounds very Hollywood indeed, doesn't it? A schmooze yeah. fest. It sounds like we've had our fun now. And uh, yes. that, was, that yeah. was this week, and it's back we, to Bojack's life. Yeah. We, had a, we had a couple of laughs now. Here's a funeral. <laughs> and on that note, I've been Adam Nicholas. I've been Michael Hamlet. And this has been Podcast Horseman. Quince.com/style.